Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute. Good afternoon and welcome everyone to the ODI. My name is Ryan Goodman. I work for the ODI and I'm a project and delivery manager here. Um, today we are joined by Anna Kraus. She is from fin FinBot Platform. She works on the peer-to-peer -peer learning at Paylit and she'll be talking today about how banks are reacting to customer trends towards financial technology. We also have some people joining us on Twitter. If you have any questions for the Q&A, please put in the hashtag ODI Fridays. Um, once we do the presentation, I'll go around the room and open up to any questions. Okay, thank you. Great. Um, welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining today. My name is Anna, and I'm from Copenhagen. Um, we're basically, I'm working, as mentioned, for the FinBot platform. Uh, what it is, I'm going to mention later. And I'm also working on a peer-to-peer -peer trans transaction app called Paylat. So basically, I was starting to get into the startup scene back in Copenhagen, especially um, specializing myself into fintechs. Um, and uh, because it's kind of like an interesting system. And But we will see. We, I will talk more about it. So uh, you can maybe then get what I uh, really mean. So the agenda is quite, it's kind of like the basics we're going to talk about. So first, uh, the one topic is like trends in fintech. So um, what are the trends? Uh, where is the fintech area going to? The second one is how traditional banks um, are reacting to, to these, uh, how traditional, traditional banks are reacting to, to the fintech trend and the hype that is going on there. Um, and the third one is like the FinBot platform. So how FinBot platform is actually helping traditional banks to jump on the train and to be within um, this new hype that is going on. Yeah, so basically um, what are maybe the trends you are thinking of are in the FinTech area or are there some trends you can think of or you heard maybe about some? Is there something? Yeah, so anyone else? Some other trends that you come up in your mind when you hear fintech, something. Uh, yeah. Peer to peer, uh, peer to peer uh, oh. uh, insurance, for example. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, it's fine. I'm gonna summarize. Yeah. So yeah, basically like peer to peer insurance, peer to peer payments, uh, robo advisory um, are the one trends. But one or one big one is also the blockchain. So the blockchain is one of the big trends that is currently going on in the fintech. But it's not only only for fintechs. You can use a blockchain for different things, but it goes in a direction of open data, transparency, um, making a transaction um, of every kind of assets um, open for everyone. So it basically means that we can cut out the middleman. We don't need financial institutions anymore. We don't need governments anymore, basically, because everything is transparent and open and everybody can transfer peer-to-peer -peer assets to each other. The other one are the mobile payments, as mentioned before. They can, can may basically be peer-to-peer -peer transactions, but it could be also be like a peer-to-peer -peer insurances, for example. So mobile payments, it means it's convenient. You have it on your phone. You can, for example, Apple Pay. You can go and pay with your phone in a supermarket. You don't need cards anymore to carry on. So we've grown up from a cashless society into cards and now we're switching from cards to a mobile phone. So basically every of our, like our bank account cards is going to be on our phone and we're going to use it to pay with that or transfer money to friends. And the other part we mentioned is the robo-advisory. Yes, it's one of the big parts that's like going on right now. Artificial intelligence replacing people in banks and insurances to create a best, better customer experience one big part of the new trends that we will see or see uh, currently in the fintech trend, yes. 
And this is when I come back to fintech versus traditional banks. So basically, banks, where are banks good in? We are here in London, financial district, of course. We have like these huge banks here. Banks are good at like providing us a security and fraud protection. That means we rely on banks that they doing transaction and that the money will be transferred from my bank account to another bank account. Or if I invest some, uh, in, a, in an asset in a, in a, or invest um, in a bank, I'm sure that it's going to be like more or less safe in the bank. Um, the other part is they have better resources. And I don't only mean capital, it also like mean human capital. So banks, they can provide better salaries. They can provide therefore better workers. They can better skill them. So they have these resources we need to create these, um, these like the services that are needed on the market. And the third point is that banks basically have one approach that means one size fits all. It basically means you can go to a bank and the bank serve like a B2B, a B2C uh, segment up to B2B segment. So every financial service is under one bank. So there were like fintechs basically focusing only on one specific area. Um, yeah. But where are fintechs are better in? So if we look at this, fintechs providing a better user experience. What does it mean? I'm going, going on the next slide to it. Um, they, are far, they are like a fast and easy access. So for example, we have now online banks coming up. You basically can do everything within minutes. You can create a new bank account within like three minutes on your phone. Imagine you need to go to, to a bank and uh, ask for your advisor, I want to open a new bank account. How many days do you think it takes? Or even if you're going to make it online, it still takes, what do you think how many days it takes to, to create a bank account? nowadays, if you go to a bank or even if you're doing it online? Is it like something you can do immediately or is there something in imagination how much it could take? Yes. So basically it will take you at least five days because you need to receive the paper from your bank even if you're going to do it online. You need to send the paper back to the, to the bank so the bank needs to prove your status. They need to uh, make the verification of yourself. It takes up to five days to create a new bank account. Nowadays, through the fintechs, it's possible, as I said, to create a bank account within three minutes and you can use it directly. So, and this is what like fintechs are good in. They can provide a fast and easy access. And this combined with a better user experience and a fast and easy access leads to the point that they use the approach mobile first. And as I mentioned, from a cashless society to a card society, we'll move to our smartphone society. So we were using our phone for everything. And this means also fintechs reacting on the trend. They're creating online banks where you can use a bank on your phone, you can pay with your phone, you can transfer money with your phone. You basically use your phone for everything. And if we look in our society where we're driven, where we're talking about millennials, um, they are used to their phone. They're doing everything with their phone. And there are fintechs reacting on a trend and jumping on a train and creating something that leads to, um, to the new market. So. But there is like a clash, as we talked about, between traditional banks and fintechs. And the clash is basically about how can banks keep up with fintech? The point is that banks have all the customer data. They have their closed APIs. They're not willing to give them out. They have the data. They have everything that they need to know about a customer basically to create great user experience products. But banks are not able to doing this. And that's where fintechs see the niche and say, okay, 
let us create something that is targeted, that people want to use and uh, create these kind of services, financial services for, for the need. And here comes the open data in mind. So why banks can't do it is that banks are not able to open up their data. They keep them itself. They close the data and they're, they're not even like able to open it up for fintechs to create these better services. So basically what banks need to do is to cooperate with fintechs together and create these open platform and to give the fintechs the access to this data to creating these great user experience products and to keep and be on the train and keep up with the hyper growing market towards financial services and new digital financial services. I think, I don't know if you heard about this, it's like uh, IBM Watson replaces 34 staffers at a Japanese insurance firm. And I think everybody knows about like artificial intelligence is going to take away our jobs. And everybody was kind of like afraid of it, this is going to happen. And this is like an article that shows that it's basically, it's happening. So there's a kind of like a IBM Watson, it's a kind of like a bot that operates as a customer service in an insurance firm and it replaces like 34 employees. Imagine this is like only the start, like robotizer is rising. It goes in a direction that we don't need people anymore to sit in front, maybe in front of the computer and answering questions from people. And um, this example is, was, it was really recent. Oh, sorry. It was really recent. It was three weeks ago, I think, they published this article. And um, this is kind of thing we should really start to think about, and especially banks as well, to, towards like opening up the APIs, opening up the data to creating the services and to jump on the train. And this is where the FinBot platform comes in. So where I'm currently working is, is like the called FinBot platform. And it basically goes in the direction of this, of this IBM Watson thinking. So the FinBot platform, it allows any of the financial institution customers to understand, compare, purchase their financial products in a safe and secure manner. So it means you can basically chat with a bot and throughout this bot you can purchase financial uh, services or even kind of like asking for existing ones or even transfer money through a bot, this is also possible. And how this kind of like working, so it's a kind of like a circle where I'm going to show you a bit how basically a bot is operating. So first of all, it goes in a direction that you as a customer, you go on a channel your choice. It could be Facebook Messenger, it could be Slack Messenger, it could be WeChat as in China is using them. Um, you go on this platform and you have your FinBot in there, in this messenger, and you're sending out a request. So um, I will show you a little video later that you see what I really mean with that. You're, you're sending out a request and the bot will receiving this request from you. And immediately, within seconds, the bot, based on a data model that the bot is creating, the bot is able to give you a sustainable answer based on this data model, like within seconds. So it means you don't need to go to an advisory in a bank and uh, talk to them, you will receive immediately a, an answer from your phone uh, yeah, from your phone on your couch, for example. So you don't even need to, to go out anymore to a bank. Um, 
It depends on what you basically want to do. As I said, it's able to transfer money through a bot as well. Um, it, but it means the bot is going to do an auditification about yourself. So it's going to ask you maybe how old are you? Are you able to make this transaction? It's going to maybe send you a pin on your phone, so you need to put it in. So kind of like as a bank would do this uh, verification review, a bot is doing that as well. So, um, and based on that, this is the, 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 the first three parts of the bot, they are like the basics. So the bot has a has a data model that is like creating from the bank uh, from the information we were receiving from the banks uh, insurance companies but where the bot came into the game or this platform is the learning and the the learning and the creating um, an interaction history and the predictive analytics part so that means that a bot is able to learn from the data he will or the platform will receive from the customer while they have an interaction and based on this data the, the bot is having, he can give out predictive analytics. So he can say, okay, um, we have this kind of like new product and I see that you have kind of like made a, you made kind of like a request weeks ago. Could it be something that you're interested in? So imagine you don't need any more so like salespeople who sit in front of a computer and check every customer data they have and say, okay, oh, this could be a potential customer. We should send him out a mail or something. The bot can do it for you. And even like because the bot is like able to learn from the data he will receive from the customer. And based on that, he's able to make predictive analytics and say, okay, this is a customer that fits into this product segment, I should send home. Either it's gonna send out the request via the messenger or the channel, or you can choose to send it over mail. And everything will be like automized and everything will go through this bot. So I'm going to show you a video, which is going to say the, the first three parts um, of how the bot is operating. So you sign out a request, the bot is replying immediately. And based on the data model that he knows who you are, he's going to answer you with your name. So, and then we have a data model from a bank or insurance, and then it's going to ask which products you offer. And then the bot is able to say the products. And then they're going to ask you some question, and there's like maybe the part of the verification, but it's going to ask you how old are you. So you're going to say, and then the, the bot, based on the data he will receive from you, the bot is able to give you the, the customized product you're looking for, uh, the bank has in their portfolio, or the insurance company, for example. And basically, you can also make, like, within seconds, you can produce this product in the bot already. So you don't need to go anymore to a bank and sign for something. You can immediately do it through this, through this platform. Yeah, and here's kind of like how we see how it's, like, working. Yes. So basically, if you imagine that this is something that can replace a whole sales channel, how, how banks are operating, um, and how much cost you could save with that, not having actually person sitting back in there. So, and this is where we kind of like summarize three value proposition points of using a bot or a, bat, a bot web platform in banks or insurances. So basically, the points I mentioned, the bot has an existing data model that was creating from the information or the data we're receiving from banks or insurances. They open it up for us. Um, the bot is able to learn from this data they will receive from an interaction history. And based on that, he's able to make predictive analytics and sending out a targeting sales advertising or making directly a sales within the bot. The other part is that the bot is like 24-7 available. So that means 
there's not a human being who needs to like sitting in front of a computer 24 seven. The bot is available whenever you want to. You can wake up in the night and you have a feeling, okay, I should like purchase a financial product or a financial service. So you're gonna have to do it like from home 24 seven and, and the bot is available. And the other part, which is like a part, important part for banks or insurances is the native customer relationship system integration. That means the bot can operate with your current customer relationship management system and can collect the data directly into it. So the data that the bot will receive, the customer relationship management will receive as well. And this can basically use for banks as well, like to creating them better services based on uh, user experience, based on what people are really looking for. So we don't need anymore to go out and talk to people and ask them what they want. We can basically look at this data we will receive from the people, looking what their interaction are with the bot, and make then these predictive analytics out of it and creating them better services with better user experience. And uh, yeah, and basically what it comes together, it means there's an efficient customer support. And what this means is like, it makes customers happy within a bank or an insurance company because they, they can do everything from home. They can do it wherever they are. Um, they're not binding to a, specific, to a specific area in the bank. They can do it, as I said, every time from home on their couch. So, no, no. So basically, what then comes into the point is, what has da like open data to do with it? So I hope my 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 computer is going to run again. Ah, now it's working. So. The focus on transparency is one important point. Within all trends, you will see in fintechs. The fintechs are trying to creating an open platform. They're trying to create transparency within financial uh, services. So that's why we're even able to make this analytics of people because we have the open data. The point is that also the customer needs to decide on the data they want to give to someone. And what fintechs are focusing, especially these robo-advisories are focusing in, they're kind of like collecting data. They are open on the net. We don't collect them and save them as banks are doing it right now on closed APIs that don't give it away to other people or like to fintechs especially who try to, to, to keep up with the trend or to, 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 make, to set the trend. The, the fintechs or especially the bot is able to collect open data. They're open and transparent to everyone. So basically everybody could use this data that the bot is able to generate. And based on that, you're able to creating this, these services that are demanded on the market. And basically what the trend is going on during the open data, the consumer, especially in the fintechs, will decide it, what kind of data and to whom the consumers are willing to give the data to. So, and this is the, basically the part where the focus on transparency is going to. And the FinBot is, yeah, it's uh, a member of the ODI here as well. We op um, works a lot of with open data, as I mentioned, and one in, uh, in this development partner costs in Finland as well. So, yeah, bots are around everywhere, robo-advisory. So the first point that was mentioned was robo-advisory is a big trend in the fintech. Yes, it is. And uh, the chatbot or the finbot was mentioned in an article as well. Um, it has like an advi advisory board all over the world, I would say. We have someone, uh, some people have an advisory board from Copenhagen, from Vancouver. We have someone sitting in Germany as well. So banks are interested into that. The... Uh, Everything is rising towards open data, and I think banks are starting to reacting on this. Banks starting to open up their platforms. Banks starting to partnering up with fintechs, and this is where the trend is basically going in. So we need to create transparent um, financial services 
where the customer really can decide what data he wants to give to whom. And at the end, it's basically only who's going to win the game. Are there going to be the fintechs who are going to win this game and with this open data they're creating? Or are there going to be the banks who said, okay, maybe we jump on the train and partner up with banks, or maybe both will find a way to partner up together and collaborate together and find a way to creating these services all together and not fight against either bank or fintech, but working to together, collaborate together. Both has the pros and cons, both has the skills. And I think if both can work together, it's going to be, we can start to create this open data. We can start to creating a transparent world where people are starting to trust again into financial institutions, uh, into, other fi uh, into other institutions we have at the moment. So thank you for your attention. Um, this was basically something I talked about fintech and open data and how banks are reacting to it. And my conclusion, as I said, banks should collaborate together with fintech and starting to open up the platform, starting to open up the data um, to creating these services that are demanded on the market and not fight against each other how it's currently going on. So, yeah. So, any questions so far? Yes. Um, because on Finbot, yeah. customers are sharing yeah. information like their age or uh, how long they'd want to be investing for, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. How do you reassure them that the data they're sharing is secure? This is the point, of course. That's why we're asking for verification. So it can basically be uh, if a bot, like these kind of things are when I wanted to pursue something, it's okay. But a bot has a consumer data model based at the back. So we receive the data. So that's why banks are starting to open up data for this bot. They need to, 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 to give us kind of like a profile of the consumer who's interacting with the bot. So we know that the, that the consumer is saying the right thing. So this is the point. But of course, if it comes more to the transaction part, then it, they're not only going to ask about your age. They're going to then ask you for verification. It could be a code that you'll receive on your phone. So they can be sure that that's you, the person who's back at there. Or you, it could be also be that they're going to ask you to share kind of like a passport or something, something that a bank's doing as well to verify yourself. But the point here is that you can do it immediately in the bot. So you don't need to go anymore to a bank and do it there and wait for long that you will receive the product. So this is basically the point. But of course, therefore, we need this data from the bank. So that's why the bank needs to create this open data to share with us uh, to be able or that we are being able to, to create these kind of analytics and say, OK, this is this person saying the truth or not. Yes. Other questions so far? Thank you. Thank you uh, for your presentation, Anna. Um, I appreciate um, what you've talked about is um, uh, consumer applications, business to consumer applications. I wondered whether you had any feelings about using this kind of technology, this kind of platform for business to business. So, for example, you, you could imagine um, uh, in the Lloyd's market or the large insurance deals, perhaps. Have you, have you looked at anything like that? Yeah, so the point is the B2B market is rising as well in that field. Especially the blockchain technology is within this, this field really a huge part because if you imagine um, B2B, it's happening all over the world, it's happening global. We need something that is fast, that is transparent, that it's not cost us a, you know, like a fortune to, to make these transactions. So there's a company called Ripple basically. What they're doing is they provide you a safe transaction through a blockchain based on a currency you want to exchange. And it's really fast, it's convenient, 
and the money will be there within like five days. So it's basically something that it's starting to creating these B2B businesses. Um, InsureTech is a pretty new field in that area. So what insur insurance are currently doing, they're only covering the B2C market. B2B is like kind of hard there, but the transaction part uh, through a blockchain, for example, is, is, is already happening out there. And I know some fintech companies uh, who are doing that. And Ripple is one big player into that. So if you want to have a look into them. Um, something is happening already there, yes, and, and B2B is using that, like the, the, the business side is using that and they're really welcome to use it because it's so convenient for them. So imagine you can make, you need to make a decision uh, globally and you need to make the decision within some days but you're not even able because you not know when the money is arriving or how can it transfer, will it be safely there, so especially when you're making uh, businesses with emerging markets, um, doing this through, through a bank. It's a pretty unsure way. So B2B uh, customers are really, uh, really using these kind of, uh, especially blockchain approaches. And blockchain is also going in a field of smart contracts. So we can be basically be able to transfer contracts within one platform. So we don't even need to send it anymore and sign it up by a lawyer or something. So everything will go through this one blockchain disruptive ledger. That's why it's called disruptive ledger because we can make peer-to-peer -peer transfer of assets immediately to each other. So. From your experience, what's the main reason why banks are reluctant to work with fintechs? And what do you think the solution is? So why, why they need to, or to, to work with them is because our financial services, they, needs to, they kind of like needs to be adaptable to the market. So banks can't interact in the traditional way they did before. Nobody of us will go anymore to a bank and create a bank account there, or like especially not maybe in my, in my in my age, for example, nobody will be like um, like going to a bank and trying to open a bank account or looking for financial services. Uh, for us, it's more convenient to do it through a smartphone. So therefore, banks need to jump on the train because we, the millennials, other generation, they're the future. The products needs to be kind of like adopted to to their lifestyle. We travel around the world. We don't live in one country anymore. We have, we're maybe, but we're not maybe open up to open 10 bank accounts in different countries. So we want to have something that is really convenient for us. And if banks closing their data, if they're closing their, 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 um, their services, like the servers, and it's not going to happen because we can't interact with that on a global, on a global scale. So, and if we want to operate global, which is like the main part of the whole thing, we need to open up these things to make it more transparent, to make it for us possible um, to interact on a global level. And uh, this is what I like mean with banks need to collaborate together with fintechs. Because I think fintechs on the one hand can't survive on their own because they don't have the, they don't have the resources or maybe it's hard to get the resources. They don't have maybe the data from the consumer because like banks still held, hold the data. So it's also kind of hard to get the data from the banks. So we need, so fintech needs the banks, but banks also need the fintechs to create this innovation solution. So it's based on the way that every, both of them needs to collaborate together and not killing down the one or the other, as we call it, the distribution, uh, disruptive uh, industry of financial sectors. It's not going to work because the fintechs don't have the data, the they banks are not going to open up, they'll be standing there. And we basically, as a consumer, will bump with different financial services and we don't even know what to use. So basically, if both of them start to collaborate together in a way that it makes sense, um, I think it can create these financial services that are needed on the market. What do you think is stopping the banks? Of course, the power part. If you imagine that banks need to open up the data, basically what they make, I would say, the money on is that they hold 
kind of like data from the customer, that they know what the customer is transferring to, they hold the bank accounts of the customers, of course they don't want to give it up. They don't want to give up the power and say, okay, we're not like the, the most powerful institution in that kind of field anymore. They're like fintechs who came in and kind of like disrupt us in that way and take away our money. Let us say it in, in that way. So that's how banks how banks are thinking. And they don't want to open it up. They have, there were this kind of like resistance but towards fintechs. Now, if you look on articles that are coming up, banks are starting to opening up the data because they're realizing it's not going to work anymore how, um, how they like planned it to do. And they're all also not even able to do it that somehow in-house, I would say. So what we basically see is what a lot of banks are doing. They're doing incubator programs for fintechs. So where fintechs starting to create, to innovate together with the banks, the banks provide them like an open service and the fintechs are building something out of it. So this is the direction where we should go to. Okay, so no more further questions. Thank you very, very much, Anna. Um, You're welcome. Just to make a note, uh, Finbot, as Anna said earlier, Finbot yeah. is actually one of our members. So if you're interested in becoming one, yeah. please get in touch with us after the event. Um, next week, we are hosting another Friday lunchtime lecture, which will be bringing back ghost data from the dead. And that will be presented by Michael Weatherburn, Michael Weatherburn sorry, from the Imperial College. So please join us for that then. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture, brought to you by the Open Data Institute.